Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. Amen. I want to give a shout out to Pastor Frank in Bay City uh, and thank him for what he's doing. You know, uh, I heard a man say that a crisis demands creativity. And our nation is in a crisis, our, our churches are in a crisis, and our communities. And I want to say I appreciate the creativity of Pastor Frank, of not letting it push him back for a made-up mind to make this thing work. Uh, if there ever was a time that we needed this level of revival, we need it right now. So now's not the time to be backing up or shutting up. Now's the time to be speaking into the environment speaking into the atmosphere of what God is saying in spite of what's happening. Uh, we're actually living in a time that, that none of us, I believe, on this planet right now have seen times quite like we're in right now on every front, uh, from coronavirus to the divisions and um, governmental mandates and all of the above. And it may seem awful dark, but let me tell you this. Uh, this is the time for the church to rise up and be the light. And I believe divine instruction is going to be given throughout these uh, revival services to prepare you for such a time as this. I believe Pastor Frank's going to be led by the Holy Spirit of God that every voice will be a voice of truth, uh, not tainted by uh, denominational persuasions or political parties uh, but all persuaded by the life of Jesus Christ. So, so thank you, Pastor Frank, for what you're doing, uh, and we're glad to be a part of it. Um, my assignment tonight is to kick this thing off, and um, I, I believe every preacher or teacher probably loves the book of Nehemiah. I mean, he's got to be one of my favorite guys. And so it's so tempted to preach the highlights of Nehemiah, but I know what my assignment is, uh, God has spoken to me to lay a foundation upon which ministers will build from this night forward. But we are going to start in the book of Nehemiah, chapter number 1, beginning in verse number 1. It says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month of Cheslu, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the palace. I think it needs to be noted the position that Nehemiah was in. He was living in a high place, a favored place. He was the king's cupbearer and had great favor with the king and his wife. This man had it made uh, as it relates to the current condition of the nation of Jerusalem at that time. I need you to take note of that. He was in the palace. Verse number two, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. The gates are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these things 
that I sat down. I sat down. I wept and I mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now, our assignment for seven weeks is actually coming out of Nehemiah 2.18. I think it would be appropriate, Ben's this is the first night, uh, to read that scripture. I'm sure many ministers are going to be uh, taking text out of it, so I just want to read it. Nehemiah 2 and 18. It says, Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. After receiving my assignment, I began to pray, of course, and seek the direction that God would have me to take on arising and building. And I preached thousands of sermons out of the book of Nehemiah, and we use him in our leadership meetings. And he's such a good, uh, he sets such great principles for building. But the first question that the Lord asked me that let me know what my assignment would be tonight that I probably wouldn't get to hoop and hooray like I like to when I preach. Uh, the first thing he asked me was, what are you building? In other words, it's going to do no good to spend seven weeks talking about building if we don't even understand what are we building. So I want you to take note of three, three questions that was asked of me in, in my prayer time. Number one, what are we building? Number two, who are we building with? And number three, what materials are we building with? And I knew God pulled the reins on me not to just jump in and begin to talk about the principles of building without first establishing. So maybe you can use this throughout the rest of the course of this revival to always be a reminder of what exactly are we building. I want to give you some scriptures. You can take them down. I do want to take time to read them tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, 9 through 14. Remember the questions are, what are we building? Who are we co-laboring with? And what materials are we using in this mission? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 says, we are labor to, laborers together with who? We are, oh, you, we are laborers together with God. We are co-laborers with God. It matters who we're working with. Amen. So I want you to get these scriptures in you. We are labors together with God. You are God's garden. You are God's building. Amen. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given unto me as a wise master builder. Paul said, I have laid the foundation and another one is building thereon. But let every man take heed how he builds thereon. Isn't that, isn't that amazing how God is pulling us in? We're working with God and we're building on a foundation that's already been established. And he said, I need you to take heed how you're building. You can't build according to your own will. 
your own way, your own opinion, your own desire. Take heed how you build. He said, oh, here it is in 11. For another foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. I love all this stuff that I can't teach on tonight. Now, if anybody builds on this foundation uh, with materials like gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble, he said, every man's work will be manifest. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire is going to try every man's work of what sort it is. Trust me, that's happening in the American church right now. What we've built that we call churches and kingdoms is being tried by fire right now. And everything that wasn't built out of eternal perspectives is coming down. Amen. We're finding out what was built on my persuasions or, or my preference or my denominational background or cultural, cultural persuasion. It's being put to the test right now. And everything that don't have eternal value is coming down. Pastors that are listening to me, I want to encourage you right now in the outset of this. Uh, this thing, the dynamics is changing of how the church looks. And you're going to be required to stand and declare truth. And the fire is going to get hot. But I'm telling you, it's going to purge a church who's going to come out on the other side with the character and nature of Jesus Christ. If any man's work, verse number 14, you know, if any man's work abide which he had built thereon, he's going to receive a reward. Those are awesome scriptures that you can continue to read. But I want to give you some more. Um, write down 1 Peter 2, 5. Remember, we're asking the question, just exactly what are we building, Pastor? Who are we building with? And what materials are we, are we to use as we build? 1 Peter 2 and 5 says, You are living stones, and you are being built up a spiritual house. Everything that is fleshly and carnal and temporal is about to be consumed with the presence of God. She is being purged and purified. I just want to encourage you, pastors. Numbers may be down, but it's okay. God's working a perfect work. Uh, you're being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So we know what we're building now. We're building a spiritual house. What are we building? We're building a spiritual house. I don't have time to fool with it because we want to try to keep this in a reasonable time. But if you go on down in verse number 8, it, it talks about that these stones that you're building, for those who do not believe, it's going to be a stone of stumbling and it's going to be a rock of offense. Flesh is about to be offended in the body. <laughs> I said all fleshly inclinations are about to come into a place of offense because of the rock that we're building on. And it said because they do not believe and they disobey. Amen. Where flesh has had its way. I'm just prophesying for a few minutes tonight. Where flesh has had its way in the body of Christ, the fire of God's Spirit's coming in through the truth of His Word and it's going to make it uncomfortable and it said they're going to stumble at it. you got to know how to navigate between the stumbling and the offense of the body of Christ. If you don't know how, amen, you'll take it personal. you got to come in low. you got to be humble, amen, and realize it's not about you you. It's not you they're going to get offended with. It's the gospel we're building with. 
Is anybody listening to me? This is a word for all of us across these nations that are listening or states. Amen. That you cannot help it. The same stone that we're building on and finding strength in will crush others in the same house. They will stumble at it because it clashes uh, with a cultural mindset. It clashes uh, with an Americanized concept. Amen. The American dream. Somebody shout hallelujah out there. I got to back up a little bit. We got places going. Whew. Right down Ephesians chapter number two. I'm just, I'm laying the foundation for some preachers to do some real preaching. Amen. Throughout this and some teachers to do some real teaching. I'm answering the question in the outset. What are we building? Sister Helen, it don't do no good to shout over building if I don't even know what I'm building. Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 19. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but your fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles, prophets. Ooh, it gets better. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. I wish we knew more about biblical architecture, but that chief cornerstone was the foundation that everything had to tie into. Amen? The chief cornerstone. Here it is, 21, in whom all the building is fitly framed together and growing into what? A holy temple. In the, that's what we're building. A holy temple. In the Lord, and look, 22, in whom you are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. That's what we're building, and that's why we're building it. We're building the house of God, and not only are you building the house, you are the house. Oh, I don't know if we can wrap our minds around it. And what's it for? Not to puff up preferences or ideologies. It's for a habitation for God to dwell in by the Spirit. So now that we've laid that foundation, Nehemiah gives us the blueprints and the prerequisites of building successfully. He gives us the blueprint and the prerequisites of being able to build this house successfully. And the first thing that we learn from Nehemiah is, write it down, number one, it takes a burden for the house. It's going to take a burden for the kingdom. The Bible says he had a deep concern for the current condition. I read those scriptures to it. He had such a concern, he began to ask, Taylor, he began to ask questions concerning the kingdom. May I submit to you that I felt an utter conviction in my prayer closet is, is anybody asking about the condition of the kingdom? Is anybody even concerned enough to come before God and seek the condition of the church? 
Or am I always coming wanting a word from me, wanting a word of encouragement? Is there anybody with a burden that's seeking the true condition of the church? Is anybody listening to me tonight? Amen. He sought the church's welfare. If we're going to build properly, we're going to have to be positioned properly. You can't build properly if you're not positioned properly. Amen. Let me, let me explain that. Amen. He asked the condition of the church and then the natural response to the condition of the church is in verse number four. He said, when I heard these things, I sat down. Ain't it amazing that I read you Nehemiah 2.18 where he said, let's rise up and build. May I submit to you, we can't rise up and build until we have. Thank you. Thank you. I said, we can't rise up and build until we have gone low, until we have sat down. In other words, we got to be in a proper position to build an edifice of such eternal spiritual value. So it took a time, Kobe, it took time of him. He said, I sat down, I wept, I mourned, I fasted for certain days, and I prayed before the God of heaven. I'm praying for a revival, all right, a revival of prayer to come back in the body of Christ. Amen. <laughs> My custom is high five your neighbor and tell them we need a burden. I said we need a burden. Amen. I said the mission is rise up and build but the requisite is bowing down low. Amen. We're not ready to build because we haven't positioned ourselves properly. It's a humbling ourselves to realize I'm not building my house. I'm building God's house. Amen. It's a humbling ourselves and saying I'm not building to make me comfortable. I'm building so God will be comfortable where his presence can invade this house that we're building. Somebody ought to shout amen. Amen. But here's the problem with that. A burden cannot be taught. I said a burden can't be taught and it can't be manufactured. Amen. I can teach. We can teach about the burden and how we ought to have a burden and we can have a bunch of head knowledge. Listen to me tonight. I'm just laying a foundation. We got to come back to the place of prayer that Nehemiah went to and that burden has to be transferred from the shoulders of God to the shoulders of the people of God. And then I can co-labor with God when I possess the same burden that God has for the condition of his people. We want messages preached out of Deuteronomy 28. You're blessed coming in and you're blessed coming out. We need preacher. Matter of fact, are y'all okay out there? Amen. Can I tell you? It can't be taught. It can't be manufactured. It's going to have to be caught and you'll only catch it when you catch the heart of God. Nehemiah understood the proper response are you listening to me? To Jerusalem's condition. And it was weeping. It was mourning. It was fasting and praying. Amen. As a matter of fact, catch this. The king, oh, y'all going to have to overlook me today. Just go with me just a few minutes. The king asked him, uh, he said, why are you sad in my presence? He he took his life in his own hands when he come before the king with a sad countenance. Amen. And the king said, why? 
Are you sad in my presence? He said, you're not sick. He said, this is a sorrowful spirit that you have before me. And Nehemiah came back with the most profound response. He said, why should I not be sad when my people's country, when the church is in the condition that it's in? Is anybody? He said, why? He said, the only natural response to the current condition of the body of Christ is this countenance of weeping and mourning. I couldn't help but think about the scriptures in the book of Joy. It says, sound the alarm, gather the people, call a solemn assembly, let the priest lay between the porch and altar and weep until God comes and restores his kingdom back to the body of Christ. Somebody said it takes a burden. You know why it takes a burden? Because a, a burden is fuel for commitment. Oh my God, somebody get a hold of that. Let me take it a little further. It, it takes burden, a burden to fuel commitment. It takes a burden to fuel consistency because we'll get a good idea, amen, and run with it until the feelings wane. But when you have a burden of God, it'll cause you to risk everything. He come before the king and said, why, why, why? He said, I can't be any other way but broken for the condition that she's in. A burden will make you committed. A, a, a burden will make you consistent. Why? Because it's a passion. No wonder Jesus said, take it. Take it. Take it. Jesus came to build and said, take my burden. Take my burden upon you. Amen. Can I tell you, we're building a, a how, how can I say it? We're building the dwelling place of God. We're building a, a, a house for a spiritual being to have an earthly dwelling place. Do you remember in the New Testament, Jesus said, the foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man don't have no place to lay his head. But then I heard him say, but I come to build a place. I come to build a church. Is anybody listening to me? I come to build a church. Amen. I come to build a place for the presence of God to be able to come and dwell in this place. Somebody shout, it takes a burden. If you don't have a burden... You don't have passion. If you don't have passion, you don't have compassion. And while we're running around building our own lives, the church becomes dilapidated and infiltrated with everything in the world. But when you got a burden, you don't need to be motivated. You don't have to be pushed. You don't have to be prodded. When you really got a burden for something, amen, you'll, you'll, you'll move when nobody else is moving. You'll believe when nobody else is believing. You'll weep when everybody else is just dancing and shouting and everything's fine with me. Does anybody feel me tonight? Amen. It'll cause you to burn the midnight oil while everybody else is asleep and watching this and that. When you got a burden for something, you can't rest until it's established. When you got a burden. Point number two. It says in verse number 13. He went out by night. He came down. 
I'm just picking out some principles. And, and he went out by night to begin to examine the condition of, the Jerusalem, of Jerusalem. God spoke to me when he read that scripture and said, you can't let the dark condition hinder your vision to rebuild. He went out by night. He didn't let the darkness and, and, and the hopelessness rob him of the vision he had to rebuild. Can I tell you right now, you're going to have to have night vision to build this kingdom. You're going to have to be able to see at night to build this kingdom. Let me put it another way. You're going to have to be able to see through the darkness to build this kingdom. If you don't, you're going to let current situations rob you of your vision. Oh, God, let me speak to some pastors. Amen. I know the situation's in. It's hard to navigate church services. It's hard to navigate in our communities. And it's a dark era of our life. But the Bible says Nehemiah loaded up on his donkey and he went out by night. He didn't let the darkness rob him of his vision. No matter what you see, Kobe, going on in our community, kids have got to be reached. The kingdom has got to be built. And right now, with all the meetings that's going on, and I'm seeing the bigger picture of everything that's happening, it just seems so dark. And if you're not careful, you'll want to say, it's no use. It's no use. The problem's too big. Amen. I come to encourage you. You got to get your night vision goggles on. You got to get the word out. You got to look at the vision that God has given you, and you've got to build. Rise up and Build. You're going to have to be able to see things other people can't see. You're going to have to be able to look through dark circumstances. You're going to have to be able to look at dry bones and see an army. Can I get a witness with that one right there? I said, you're going to have to be looking at dry, hopeless situations and believe that our army's rising up. Nehemiah, you're going to have to look at broken down walls, dilapidated kingdom, burnt rubbish, amen, and believe they can, a kingdom can arise out of this mess. My God, I wish somebody had helped me tonight. Amen. You're going to have to see what others are not seeing. You're going to have to be able to see through the darkest of night and believe God. Let me tell you what. Kingdom people can take less and do a whole lot more with it. <laughs> Philip saw a sack lunch. Philip saw five loaves and two fishes and said, what is that among so many? But you hear me? You got to be able to look at a sack lunch and see provisions to feed a multitude. <laughs> uh, uh, come on, am I helping anybody? You, 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 you can't let the darkness of the situation rob us of our vision. Why? Because the word is the lamp unto our feet. The word is the light unto our path. And that's all the light we need to operate with right now. My God, somebody help me. You got to be able to look at a donkey jawbone and say, that's a weapon I can use uh, to slay thousands. Amen. You got to look at a rock and a rag and say, that's all I need. Oh, let me help somebody right now who thinks coronavirus is robbing us of what we need. Amen. You need your eyes opened up that everything you need is in the house. Amen. Grab a donkey jawbone. Grab a rock and a rag and co-labor with God. 
you forgot who you're working with. Are y'all, are y'all hearing anything? Yes. Huh? Amen. It took a prophet to come along to let a little woman know you're, you're looking at the darkness in your life. She said, they're finna sell my kids. I mean, it's just terrible. Amen. Uh, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in poverty and everything's just going wrong. He said, what do you got in the house? He, she said, I ain't got nothing but one little cruise of oil. Amen. Kingdom people, amen, have got to look at a cruise of oil and see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit of the living God that breaks all poverty in our life. No wonder he said, let us rise up and build. Because we got to rise up above everything I can see down here. We got to rise up to a dimension because to build an edifice with such an elevated purpose, we're, we're going to have to rise up to an elevated place of spiritual perception. Matter of fact, to be honest with you, we've been called to work the night shift. We work the night shift. Amen. We don't let darkness stop us. Amen. We work through the darkness, in the darkness. Matter of fact, we bring our own light to shine in the darkness. Amen. <laughs> let me hit a few more points. <laughs> Pastor Frank, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold that 35 minutes, I think. <laughs> let me tell you something. Let me encourage you right now. You cannot build. You, you cannot build something this high. This holy, this, this imperative, this, this house of God. You can't build a dwelling place for God to come and dwell in our cities and in our communities and not face demonic opposition. Let me help you right now. Whether it's your own, building your spiritual life. Whether you're building your marriage on Jesus Christ. Whether you're trying to build kids on Jesus Christ. No matter what you're trying to build. When you're trying to build something this heavenly and this holy, there's always going to be demonic opposition. Amen. And, and having said that, according to Nehemiah, we got to become ambidextrous. Hear me, hear me, if we're going to build, if we're going to make it through this building, and we are, amen, in the name of Jesus, we are. But if we're going to get this thing built, amen, we're going to have to go to some different tactics, amen. We're going to have to learn to build in inconducive environments that maybe we didn't have last year, amen. We're going to have to learn to build. He said they built with a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other hand. We're going to have to learn to build carrying some extra weight we didn't have to carry last year. Is anybody listening to me? To get this thing built, we gotta, we gotta be ready at all times to defend what God is doing. Fight for what God is doing, but not quit building at the same time. I'm preaching to somebody who's under some of the same pressure that I'm under right now. Amen. And while I'm building, I'm having to fight things in this church and fight the. 
Oh, I'm just going to be real for you pastors, amen. But we do not have the luxury. I even told my wife it would be so much easier for me right now. Back up, Dean. Back up, Dean. Oh, I got a word for somebody. Did I not tell you? It'd be so much easier for me to back up, preach a little salvation gospel, amen, and take my four and no more to heaven, amen. But I come to tell you, pastor, minister, man of God, elder, woman of God, man of God, you have been anointed for such a time as this. And you can carry weight you didn't know you had to carry. Hey, I feel something happening in there. I said, you're anointed to carry weight that you really shouldn't have to be carrying. But nevertheless, Sanballat's mad. Tobias mad. The enemy's mad. And you know why they mad? The Bible says, because someone was concerned about the condition of the church. You're long done, you're long done tonight because you're concerned about the condition of God's house. Some of you are forsaking your house tonight because you're concerned about God's house. I want to stand before as a militant leader in the kingdom of God. Amen. Yeah, I made that statement to my wife, but it didn't take us but a minute to say, no, sir, we will not back down. Matter of fact, Nehemiah, when they told Nehemiah to back up, you know what he said? Should such a man as I flee? <laughs> oh, I wish we had a church full. I'd tell you to look at your neighbor and tell him, you're too strong to flee. You're too strong to run. Should a man such as I run from opposition? No, I'll tell you how strong we are. And I'll tell you how anointed we are. We can take a sword in the left hand and a hammer in the other. And we're going to keep building. And I'm going to fight off all this opposition with this hand. You know what that tells me? I can whoop the devil with one hand when God is on my side. You can whip the devil with one hand. Are you okay out there? God's trying to tell us we got to build. Coming, we're going to have to build through opposition. Saying about it, started sending letters. Can I help some pastors right now? If you're truly a builder, there's supposed to be conspiracies break out in your church. You just might as well get ready for it. Conspiracies in the back room, amen, to try to, to, to stop you and to, to distract you, to get you to come down off the wall. God spoke to me today in the same scriptures he told when he told Nehemiah they were trying to get him to come down and reason with them. They said, come down to the valley of oh no. We want to reason with you. And, and there's some situations I felt like I needed to reason with. And, and Nehemiah said, I, I can't come down to you because the work is too great. I need to help somebody. You need to tell the devil that's telling you you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not qualified. You need to tell the devil, I'm not even coming down there to talk to you because I'm too busy building I'm too busy building. You gotta, he says, should a man such as I flee, I'm not coming down. Listen to me. Listen to me. I need to close this session out, but I'm telling you, I, I just want to encourage the men and women of God. There's lay people, amen, that'll never get in the pulpit to preach. 
They'll never teach a Sunday school class. Amen. But you are a soldier in the army of God. You are co-laboring with Jesus Christ. And when you slip your hands up in a service and begin to worship, you are tearing down strongholds. You are advancing the kingdom of heaven. When you refuse to be divided and you unify with your brother. He said, listen, are y'all okay? Nehemiah said, okay, we're, we're going to build. And, and I, I dare you over the next seven weeks, go to chapter number three. And Nehemiah said, this thing is bigger than Dean. Pastor Frank said this in his intro. It's bigger than Life Church. It's bigger than your church. It's bigger than you, Pastor. It's bigger than your denomination. It's bigger than, we're building kingdom. We're building a habitation a house of God, and it reaches all over the world. Amen. So Nehemiah said, I can't build it myself. He said, so this family built by this family, and this family built by this family. And Pastor Frank, you're, you're, you're seven or eight hours away from me, but you're building in Bay City, and I'm building in Louisiana. Amen. And Connie's over there building in Hardin, and they're building in Bastrop, and they're building in Carver. Each family is, are you listening to me? Are building a habitation for God to be able to come and just dwell. He said, that's all I wanted from the beginning was a place to live on earth. And it's in you. And it's in you. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Just like Moses built a tabernacle that walked through the wilderness. Listen to me. That that they built a, a tabernacle that they carried through the wilderness, and in the dry and dusty land, there was a rock following it, and his name was Jesus, and water was flowing out of the rock, and it was an oasis in the desert, and there was a fire by night and a cloud by day. Well, in the New Testament, here comes Jesus, and he said, I'm building another temple, and it's a temple not made with hands, and it's walking through a dry and dusty land, and the rock is following us, and water. Water is flowing out of him. It's an oasis. Woo, God help me tonight. But let me, let me make these points. We got to build together. You want to know why? Because you're a stone. You're a stone. You're a living stone. You're a living stone. You're a living stone. And when these stones come together, we're making up a spiritual house for the habitation of God. You think unity ain't important? Because we just can't be rocks laying off out there somewhere. These rocks have got to come together to build a holy habitation of the spirit of the living God. Black rocks, white rocks. What are you, Bliss? Asian? Yellow? <laughs> Yellow rocks. All kind of rocks that are united because of a chief cornerstone whose name is Jesus. If you're divided, you've laid another foundation. You've laid another foundation. Listen to the genius of uh, Nehemiah. It's, it's on, you, you just got to read this book. If you want to look at it, it's in 4.13. He said, Nehemiah said, I know how. I know how to get us to, to build. I know how to, to get us to build. And I know how to get us to fight. It says, I set them 
over their own family. <laughs> it's a shame. In prayer today, I just heard the Holy Ghost say, it's a shame when we're having to protect children from their own parents because of selfish decisions that we're trying to protect them from being hurt and injured. Nehemiah said the family ought to be a unit. And he said, I'm going to put your families together because you'll fight harder for your kin folks. You'll fight harder. And he said, I want you to do this. Remember God and fight for your brother. Fight for your sister. Fight for your daughter. Fight for your wife. Is anybody listening to me? Amen. He said, fight for family. Fight for unity. It's, it's, it's about more than you and your selfish inclination. We've got to fight for those that are around us. So I thought, we went from building to fighting. Are we building or are we fighting? And I have come to the conclusion, you'll not build without a fight. If you're not in a fight, it may be because we've accepted status quo. When you start pushing, there's a resistance that's going to push back. But I like what he said, Kobe. For the first thing was, remember God, who is mighty and terrible, is the words he used, meaning he's extremely awesome. You know what's going to keep us building churches across this, this, this land? What's going to keep us building is we always remember who we're working with. I'm not on my own. I got God working with me. <laughs> Praise God. 43 minutes, we're good. And I want to encourage my brothers and sisters. It's Louisiana, Texas, down South Texas, anywhere you're listening. We, we, not our predecessors, not our successors, we've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to send out a Zoom pretty quick to us leaders to where Mordecai told Esther she thought it was all about position. She thought it was all about pomp. She thought it was all about palace. And he said, oh, no, no. You were put in that position for this dilapidated condition that Jerusalem's in, and you're anointed to bring change. Let me tell you what a burden did for Nehemiah. It pulled him out of the palace and put him on the battlefield. His comfort, his comfort came second to his burden. His burden pushed him out of comfort and put him out there. And one man did in 52 days he rallied the troops and did in 52 days what had not been done in 70 years. I want to encourage you right now, this is our time to rise up and rebuild. <clears throat> don't look around and say we don't have nothing to build with. The Bible says they didn't need new material. They started reaching in what everybody else was calling rubbish and pulling out old material and building the kingdom with it. 
The world around them was saying, it's burnt rubbish. It's irrelevant. But they were, they, they were pulling out right relationship. They were pulling out prayer time. They were pulling out Bible studies again. They were pulling out everything that everything around them says it's irrelevant. They didn't need new material. They took old material and rebuilt the kingdom with it. We got what we need. I'm going to pray for you. He's going to sign us off. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for a word tonight that you have spoken into our spirit. And I want to pray a spirit of encouragement into churches that may be in parking lots and wearing masks and maybe not even in their sanctuaries yet, Lord. I pray uh, uh, that you baptize them in a spirit of encouragement to realize we are the contemporary Nehemiahs. We know what we're building. We know who we're building with. And we know the materials we're working with, Father. So I just thank you for this beginning of seven weeks of the rebuilding of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.